Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 3. It started with a deranged Oregon magician who bit the head off a ferret during a holiday show for children. At least that's what we've been told. Since then, the disease called Kofefi-19 has raged across the globe. Yes, the virus has separated us, isolated us, shaken us. But it can't take away our sense of incredulity. We know that 5G cell waves make us more susceptible to the virus. That doctors Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci lead the medical wing of the deep state. And that Bill Gates is seeding the eventual vaccine with nanocrystals to track our locations 24-7. We've been told less about the Redmond Institute of Virology, an Oregon-based BSL-4-level biosafety facility that just happens to experiment with ferrets. This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everyone. I am your host, Joey Quinn. Most of us wear them these days, probably more than we want to. People who don't wear them in public maybe apart from at the beach, are looked down upon. They can be straightforward and utilitarian, or they can be whimsical. They often don't smell great after a while. I'm talking, of course, about shoes. Shoes have come a long way since we started wearing them during the late Stone Age, about 40,000 years ago. That's right around the time we began making advanced tools, performing ceremonies to bury our dead, and creating art, both to wear and on cave walls. Up until the late 19th century, when industrialization changed so many things, shoes were crafted by hand. We're going to talk today to our guest about the dangers that came with that industrialization of the shoe industry. Dangers that have clearly been compounded by globalization in recent decades and may have played a key role in the onset of Kofefi-19. But before we meet today's guest, I want to welcome my co-host for this week, smooth jazz enthusiast and Norman Brown superfan, Peachy Jennings. Hello, Joey Quinn. It's so good to hear your nasally, nasally voice. How are you, Peachy? What's going on these days? You know, I wish I could say that things were better for me, Joey Quinn. It's been a tough couple of weeks. You had such a great prospect with Rob Mellows the last time we talked. I am experiencing some sort of mild despair. You know, in the last couple of weeks, again, I am still working remotely from the music section of the library. 
that part of things gets me through. But the thing with Rob Mellows is it really got me thinking after last time we chatted about him being a replicant. Right. That that was frightening. That was very frightening. And I still have yet to come to terms with if I am myself a replicant. But it got me thinking more and more about Rob Mellows. And so I wasn't strictly trying to vet him. But I was, you know, he runs a smooth jazz forum. If you run a smooth jazz forum, you need to have a certain amount of... Yeah, you have to be an expert. Exactly. So we were going back and forth and talking about our favorite artists. Okay, of course, who came up? Norman Brown. Of course. Who else comes up? David Sanborn, Brian Culbertson. Kenny G, obvious. The biggies. The biggies. I asked him, I said, what's your favorite song by the famous group Foreplay? Spelled F-O-U-R, play. And he was so puzzled. He said, I don't even know who Foreplay is. I said, are you joking me? Are you absolutely joking me that, that, that you don't know who Foreplay is? Let me just break it down for you, Rob Mellows, in air quotations, whoever you are, mystery man. You don't know the contemporary American smooth jazz quartet? who the original members of the group are Bob James, Lee Richnor, Nathan East, and Harvey Mason. You don't know their famous songs, 101 Eastbound and Between the Sheets. No, thank you, Rob. No, thank you. So that little, little smoldering flame has been soon extinguished. Was that your first tiff with Rob? No. Because, again, when he was feeding me, and I say feeding now because I can't trust him. If you don't know foreplay, if you don't know between the sheets, you can't get between these sheets. You know, he was feeding me information about my theory about Kofefi 19, about, you know, the video, the TikTok videos of dancing, but not only dancing, the TikTok videos with ferrets, that when you combine the two, you get a deathly pandemic, whatever's happening. Our first little tiff was about Lydia Smate. Oh, my God. I mentioned her before. We talked about her a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. She was the girl dancing with ferrets in the videos. Yeah. Which is the worst combination, the most lethal combination, in my opinion, that I've seen so far. And he, he was on the side of this mystery person, Lydia Smate. And, and I said, Rob, Rob Mellows, do you know Lydia Smate? And he goes, not well. What does that mean? Not well. Does that mean you know the great baked potato? Maybe not, oh, come to my backyard and have a brewski, but maybe just well enough to, I don't know, know how this whole thing got started? So it just really turned me off, Joey Quinn. Peachy, you know, I don't want to defend Rob Mellows, but I'm wondering if, you know, at the beginning of any relationship, uh, you know, when you're kind of courting someone, when that person 
just offhandedly says things like foreplay and between the sheets, possibly he got nervous and and awkward and flustered. I, I don't know. It immediately makes me think of if he's trying to court with me, he better get himself a lawyer. Because if you don't know foreplay, I, and I explained that it was F-O-U-R, not F-O-R-E, as in, you know, the beginnings of what may be an intimate session. Yeah. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe just give him another smooth jazz group name, <gasps> not one of the biggies, and just see what happens. If he doesn't know Kiki Matsu, then... He's really going to get it. Then it's over. I'll keep that one in mind. Well, let's get to our guest today, Peachy. The guest that we had scheduled for this week, Grapeland, Texas-based drywall installer, Jill St. Jacques, who says she has proof that the magician who bit a ferret's head off to start the pandemic, who we were just talking about, Ron Smate, exactly, has hypnotized the world's 8 billion people and made us believe in that non-existent mass pandemic, was unable to make it today. We received an email from Divine Drywall, and they told us Jill got super high at work this week and drywalled herself inside the walls of a house renovation. Typical. Yeah, her colleagues are working to find her and get her out, but so far they can just hear her laughing really hard. So they know she's safe, but they can't find her. But... Uh, as soon as they do, we will make sure to get Jill on the show. However, we got extremely lucky this week because we found a great guest who was available at the last second. Al Windjammer is joining us from Frederick, Maryland. Al, thanks for being on Optophobia. Oh my gosh, thank you both so much. I'm thrilled to be here today. Yeah, tell us a little about yourself. Definitely. So I was born and raised in Frederick, Maryland, uh, which is, if you have not been, truly recommend because it's a lovely... I was born, there's the city of Frederick, and then there's also the surrounding area of Frederick, Maryland. So there's a lot of farms. I grew up on a farm. Ooh, what kind of farm? We had a whole bunch of different animals. We had cows. We had horses. I had three horses growing up. So we had the farm and we, you know, got money through uh, the animals and the animal byproducts. Uh, But we also run a shoe store called Windjammer Shoes, which now I'm running now that my parents are kind of taking a step back, living on the farm uh, full-time, and we make our own shoes. We are what they call shoemakers. So the farm was one source of income, but the shoe store was, I mean, was it just another one? Was one of them the main source of family income? Or The shoes were the main source of family income. The farm, honestly, I think just came about because my mom just wanted animals. And just mushroom clouded from there. Careful throwing that term around. Oh, true. My apologies. So, Al, your dad was a cobbler. Okay. So, thank. Uh, okay. Uh, sorry, not to put a pin in this, but cobbling, cobbling are the cobblers fix shoes. Shoemakers make shoes. Oh. So there's a there's a big distinction between cobblers. Important difference. It's actually offensive to call shoemakers cobblers. 
Like I'm, I'm not offended because I realize that most people don't know. <laughs> but if my dad was here, if he conceptually knew what a podcast was, and he listened to this, he'd be like, "Oh my goodness, what? Right. I am not a cobbler." Which we can fix them, but we make them from raw materials. You have to save the cobbler for the peaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he hears the podcast, please apologize for me. But it sounds like it's interesting that. It's the shoemaker can cobble, but a cobble cannot make a shoe. Cobbler. Profound. Exactly. Exactly. And if they could make the shoe, then they would become the shoemaker. The shoemaker. So it's kind of like a, it's a promotion in a way. So Al, you mentioned earlier about the animal byproducts being something that was maintained by your family at the farm. Uh, are those byproducts used in any of the shoes that you create? Yes, 100%. So that's a big premise of Windjammer shoes is that we know where all of our materials are coming from, which I think is very, very important because... This is what my parents said to me, and my grandparents were also shoemakers. So this is, at this point, several generations. But the feet are truly the entryway into the soul. A lot of people say it's your eyes. It's not. It's the feet. Your blood vessels are larger in your feet. So your feet absorb more toxins than any other place in your body. So it's really important that you're taking care of your feet, and that includes shoe wear. And, and you know what's funny about what you just mentioned, especially about the, the eyes of the soul and the opening and all of that? I often, when I'm on an elevated surface and I have to make a jump, I always wish that my eyes were on my feet because it wouldn't look so far a distance if my eyeballs were on my toes. That's very correct. Al, what did your father impart to you as you were growing up that you now think about a lot while you're, well, since you've taken over the business? I learned so much from my dad. First thing is that should we as humans even wear shoes? No. We're the only creature on this world that wear shoes. And and this is something that you might think is counterintuitive. A shoemaker who doesn't think we should wear shoes. We make shoes because, unfortunately, we have to wear shoes now. Societal expectations. Societal expectations. There's also, in a lot of facilities restaurants, bars, you're not allowed to go in without shoes. So everyone needs a trusted pair of shoes. Something my dad talked about is knowing where your shoes come from and knowing what's put into the shoes will just give you better peace of mind because everything you do, and this is what my dad, he would tuck me in every night, he would say, everything you do starts with your feet. Everything. Would he tuck you in feet, feet first? first? Yes. My day started and ended with my feet. I think most people's day starts that way. Let's take a quick break because I think, Al, that you're getting, you're starting to kind of get into the reason that we wanted to talk to you today about shoes and shoemaking. So let's take a quick break and we will be right back with Al Windjammer.
Okay, we are back with our guest this week, Al Windjammer. Al, you were talking about your dad's philosophy of shoemaking and a really interesting point that a family whose entire income, entire reputation in the community is about making shoes, selling shoes, that you do not believe that wearing shoes is something we should be doing. And I think the unfortunate part of that is I would totally advocate everyone wearing shoes if you knew where your shoes came from and what was put into it. But if you were just to hop online and order the newest sneakers or the newest, you know, wingtip shoes that you found if you wanted to go to a, a meeting, you you might have that delivered to you in, in a week or two, but you don't know what's going into your, your package. And the unfortunate part about that is that you could be absorbing germs, viruses, bacteria, poison. <gasps> From the way that shoes are made when you don't know where or how they're made. Exactly. 110% correct. Yes. Wow. Okay. So this is exactly, this is how your thinking about shoes and shoemaking is tied into the global pandemic. Exactly. And, and even just after what you've said, I immediately thought back to the last time I did exactly as you described, ordered a pair of shoes from the online platforms of the internet. And I bought myself a new pair of, I don't know if you're familiar with the brand Skechers. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So they didn't, they no longer sell one of their most famous shoes that was ever created. They were called Shape Ups. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. They looked like a moon shoe mm -hmm. and they were the only thing that I was convinced myself were helping me work out my pelvic floor. So I went online to order some more Shape Ups. And of course, in a timely fashion, they are delivered to my house from a lovely person on eBay. But I have no idea what those shoes are made of other than the things I can assume. Some type of faux leather material, maybe some different types of rubber. Maybe there's a little bit of metal around the shoelace enclosures. But other than that, I have no specific clue of what goes into my shape ups. Peachy, exactly. And that's that's part of the problem. And one big thing that goes into a lot of shoes, adhesives. Adhesives carry germs. So this is a, a big component that we're talking about here because with Covfefe 19, we're told to wear a mask to protect our mouth and our nose. And others' mouths and others' noses, don't forget. That's true, that's true. And that's very important. But what about your feet? You might be saying, oh, they're in the shoe, that's fine. What if someone touches your shoe well, then the germs will go up through your foot. All I'm saying is this, this may seem outlandish, but let me tell you a little anecdote right here. Do either of you have sleep trouble? Absolutely. Every night I have very hard time falling asleep. And then I fall asleep into one of those dreams where I'm walking down some stairs and I fall every time and then I wake up again. That sounds unpleasant. Let me give you a remedy. This is going to work and I am excited to hear from you 
when you tell me that it's worked, but about 30 minutes before you go to sleep, I want you to get some essential lavender oil, and I want you to put them on the heels of your feet. You are going to be asleep in 30 seconds because your foot absorbs it. Your foot absorbs it. It brings it through the rest of your body. This is science. Sounds like science. Al, is it better to wear nothing than to wear a shoe with foreign substances in it that you really don't know anything about? Good question. Is it better to be barefoot? If the choice is between a shoe of which you don't know the materials in versus being barefoot, always choose to be barefoot. When your foot is encased in a shoe, you know, you've bought it from Zappos. You don't really know where it's come from. You're wearing that around. You're putting yourself in danger of acquiring some sort of disease. It might be Kofefi-19. It might be something else. Is that more dangerous than walking around barefoot and potentially stepping on glass and rusty nails? And that is the double-edged sword of life because, you know, years ago, 300 years ago, we wouldn't have to worry about going out and stepping on glass and, and rusty nails. I mean, we, we clearly have a litter problem on top of everything else. So I would say if you do go out barefoot, be vigilant. I would say that it is still better to go out barefoot. Remain vigilant. Don't cut your foot because cutting your foot, again, a cut on your foot could literally kill you. A cut on your foot has more potential to kill you than a paper cut does. Right, right. On any other other part of the body. I would say yes, but especially a paper cut. So, Al, I am wondering one thing. So, you may know that a lot of businesses right now who are in the manufacturing of anything, let's say clothes, uh, paper products, shoes, are, are then transitioning their focus to things that are going to be utilized right now during COFEFI-19, things like masks, things like PPE. But have you and the Windjammer family, have you thought about making masks for your feet? That is a really good question. Because after I hear from you, I want to buy stock in, in whatever you come up with because I trust you as the experts knowing what should go on our feet what would go on our feet that would benefit us and keep us safe? Well, Peachy, let me ask you something. Do you know what your socks are made of? Well, you stumped me there again, Al. That's all right, because I would go out on a limb. Joey, do you know what your socks are made of? Uh, I mean, I'm going to guess cotton. I was going to guess bamboo. I'm going to say it could be made of cotton. I've not yet seen a bamboo sock, but I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, th those existed. We, the Windjammer family at our three stores, we have three stores across Frederick. We have silk socks. Those are like masks for your feet. Nothing penetrates silk. Silk, when it was introduced as a fabric, was actually used on battlegrounds uh, to when you were shot, whether it be with a bullet or an arrow, silk pulls out cleanly from your wound. But it's a very, it's a very tight 
fabric. There's really not much going in there. It's not breathable. It's not breathable. So wrapping your foot in this comfortable yet secure fabric is really like a mask for your foot. And we have silk socks and stockings, if you prefer stockings, we have them, at Windjammer Shoes. Peachy, that is, that's a genius idea. And I wonder, Al, if you've thought about just kind of getting ahead of the curve and rebranding your silk socks foot masks. Exactly. I'm, I'm liking the idea. I mean, I'll be honest with you, the Windjammers were not marketing people. That's something I'm trying to get better at, to be honest. So this might be the first step in a in a new direction for us. I think it might be the time to keep up with, you know, all this chaos that we're experiencing. I mean, and I myself, you know, I haven't left my house in 23 and a half days. I couldn't tell you the last time I put a, a shoe on, but I've put on socks because as everyone knows, I'm a very chilly gal and my circulation is not, it's not, it's not great. So, and if, and if I had some non- penetrable mask foot masks i would put them on because i never sweat you can't trust people who who sweat profusely what are they hiding you're so right peachy and that's why i mean i think you brought up another really good point which is your circulation it's controlled from the feet up al unfortunately we're out of time but i have one more question that i would love to hear you talk about I'm just curious if, I mean, you're painting a, a, a really scary picture that I think most people do not really understand yet about the dangers of shoe wearing during a pandemic. And I'm wondering if, like, if nobody wore shoes, if we all agreed as a globe to go shoeless for a certain number of weeks, would Kofefi 19 disappear completely and how long would we need to go shoeless do you think in order to make sure it wouldn't return when people started wearing strange shoes again because i don't know how long i can actually go without wearing my shape-ups unless the windjammer family is going to make something as rolly and durable for my pelvic floor well you know I think we I think we might have the the shoe for you, PG. I'll, I'll take a picture of it. I'll send it to you. We don't have a website. That's another thing. I'm trying to get better at doing all of that. But I think in in terms of the the practical question about how long we would need to go, I would say if we all foregoed wearing shoes for a month, I think we would see a very strong dip in Kofefi 19 cases, but I think what I will follow up with is much like anything else, we need to use common sense and we also need to clean and sanitize. Yes, the big first step is not don't wear shoes. Don't wear shoes for a month, but also if you are going outside because you need to go outside, whether it be to pick up something, groceries or medicine or or you need to travel from place to place. When you come back, you can't just say, well, I'm back. That was a great trip. No, wash your hands, wash your feet. Again, the feet 
gateway to the soul. So take care of it. Nurture it like you would nurture the inside of your soul. I think that would do wonders for us. And that's actually something that even once cases go down, like I believe they would, you, we should just keep doing that. Whenever we go out, we should just make that a common practice. I think that would be a wonderful addition to the new norm. I just think with this administration, you know, I feel like you're going to have people who are going to be resistant no matter what, because they're going to always say, I have rights. I have rights. If I want to cover my toes, I will. And then some people would go without shoes and then some people would still be wearing shoes. And then the problem would never be fully solved. I I don't disagree, but I think with those people, their souls are sad. And that's something they have to live with. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to picking up some foot masks at some point uh, from Windjammer Shoes. I want to really thank our guest this week, Al Windjammer. Thank you so much for coming on. That was enlightening. Thank you both. And uh, I want to thank my co-host, as usual, Peachy Jennings. Good luck, Peachy, uh, with Rob. I hope things maybe go a little bit better. I'll give it another itty bitty whittle try. Okay. Well, we're excited to hear how that goes next time we talk. Please join us next week when our guest will be Ronnie Pupples, a hydraulic press operator at Royal Garden Tobacco Company in Sand City, California, who believes another pandemic, this one caused by a highly infectious meteor shower, which will be triggered by a pair of two 15-story Cold War-era parabolic radio antennas, is being prepared now in the Horn of Africa. Thank you for listening to Optophobia. I'm Joey Quinn, and I'll leave you with this. Trust those most who refuse to betray the depth of their wiles. If you've got theories about Kofefi 19, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website, optophobia.org, or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at optophobes. And please subscribe and rate the show if you like it. Thank you to Stacy Axler, who played Al Windjammer. Stacy performs with Madeline, a Washington Improv Theater House Ensemble, and Maple Sunday, a Dojo Comedy House team. Check out her Facebook page at Stacy Axler Comedy. Aaron Murray played Peachy Jennings. Aaron performs with Madeline, a Washington Improv Theater house ensemble, and The Lodge. Follow her on Instagram at at Murray. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Our music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open. <laughs>